I'm glad to be in the Lord's house today, and I'm delighted that, uh, that you're here and joining us. Take your Bibles and open them with me to the book of Jeremiah. We're going to be in chapter 1. Uh, I'll be reading some verses from Jeremiah chapter 1 here in just a moment. The uh, title of my sermon is Take Your Life Seriously. And uh, I believe God is calling us to that task today. Uh, not that we just be old fuddy-duds and never have any fun. Uh, you know what? You can take your life serious and still enjoy life uh, and laugh and enjoy other people. But God is calling us to stop today to take an inventory of who we are and what we've been called to do and to take our life and God's calling seriously. So we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah for the second week in a row. Uh, last week we looked at a, a great verse, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, and discovered that the people of God were literally at a crossroads. They had lost their way and they had turned their backs to God. In fact, there are two verses in the book of Jeremiah that says this, that the people of God literally turn their backs to the Lord. The first time that it is mentioned is in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 27. God says about His people, They say to wood, you are my father, and to stone, you gave me birth. They have turned their backs to me and not their faces. So here's what the people of God were doing. They were looking at, at pieces of wood that they had carved into idols, and they were saying, you, you piece of wood, you are my father. And then they would pick up a, a rock, maybe that they sculpted, and said, you, Mr. Rock, gave me birth. <laughs> and God is saying, literally, what my people have done is turn their backs to me, and now they are facing idols. You know, things change, events change, methods change, but people don't change. And people are still doing that today. In fact, God's people are doing that today. They are literally turning their backs on God. He goes on in the verse to say, yet when you're in trouble, you say, come and save us. <laughs> How typical of us, right? And then Jeremiah 32, verse 33, this phrase appears again. They turn their backs to me and not their faces. Though I taught them again and again, the Lord said, they would not listen, nor would they respond to discipline. But thank God for not giving up on us. Okay? Thank, thank the Lord that He is long-suffering, that He is full of mercy, that He gives us try after try. And he did that for his people in the Old Testament again. In fact, he raises up a spokesman, a man by the name of Jeremiah, to speak to Judah during their very rebellious days. And beginning in verse number 4 of Jeremiah chapter 1, we've got this conversation going on between God and Jeremiah. Albeit that God is doing most of the talking here. Let me read this conversation to you. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version today. Jeremiah says, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, and here's what God said to him, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, here's Jeremiah's response back to God. Oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, 
For I am a youth or a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. This is the mighty word of God. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. So here is this conversation between God and Jeremiah. Let me just stop and ask you. Look, look, hey, everybody look. Have you ever had a conversation like that with God? I mean, where, where you and God just sit down and, and you had this open conversation where God talked to you? Has is, is something like this ever happened in your life? Well, I talk to God every day, all right? Every morning I begin my day praying. I go to bed at night and I pray. And all through the day, either at assigned times or at impromptu times, I'll talk to God, all right? And I believe God talks back to me mainly through His Word. But church, there have been a couple of occasions in my life that I can go back and identify where I had a conversation like Jeremiah had with God. And let me tell you, it was, it was a landmark conversation in my life. These two times that I remember literally changed the direction of my life. The first one happened when I was about nine years old. Uh, I was saved when I was six. And right after that, uh, growing up in Midland, Texas, God started, uh, I think, calling me into the profession I'm in now. That is the ministry of the gospel to preach the word. But this conversation I had with God happened when I was about nine years old. Now, back home on number four Keeneland Drive in Midland, Texas, every night uh, my family would meet in my parents' room and would have a verse of scripture. Dad would read a passage and then would pray as a family. And then I would go back to my bedroom, my sister would go to her bedroom, would go to bed. But before I went to sleep, I would open my little Bible and I would read a verse or two. And then I would pray to the Lord before I went, went to bed. Uh, nine years old. Read my Bible, put it down. I was laying in bed, my dog was at the foot of my bed. My little poodle dog named Pootie is down there guarding the room for me. And right before I went to sleep... You're going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but it was real. Right before I went to sleep, it was as if the Lord himself came into my bedroom. And it was just like he was sitting on the end of my bed, and we have this conversation. And it was that night when, when I was about nine years old that, that God told me his plan for my life and what God made me to do. And he, he called me that night to be a preacher. Uh, not an evangelist, not a church planter. He called me to be a pastor and slash a preacher. And, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. He, he, he asked me, William, will you do this with your life? Will you accept this calling? And that night I said yes to the Lord. Well, I told my parents about it and they said, well, we need to go talk to the preacher. And so uh, that next Sunday night we went and talked to uh, our pastor, a guy that some of y'all know, Carl Cheshire. Let me tell you, Brother Carl was my pastor before he became your pastor, all right? And I'll never forget that Sunday night, 
Uh, we were at the Westside Free Will Baptist Church in Midland in, in the pastor's office. He was sitting behind his desk. Dad, Mom, and myself were across the desk from him. And, and I told Brother Carl what God had told me the other night. And, and here's what Brother Carl said. He said, William, if God is really calling you to be a preacher, that calling will never go away. In fact, it's just going to intensify as, as you get older. And it has, you know. Uh, that was 48 years ago. And I, I know today more than I even knew back then that, that God made me to do what I'm doing, all right? Then about 10 years later, when I was 19 years old, at the same place, Uh, sophomore and junior year at Bible College at Hillsdale. I went back to Midland for the summer, lived with my grandparents, and I worked in my uncle's machine shop, uh, Uncle Albert's machine shop. Uh, he hired me to uh, help make these cutters for oil well, well rigs, and all I can remember is I would mess them up and then they would fix them. <laughs> I, I wasn't much of a hand in the machine shop, but he was generous to employ me that summer. Uh, and I went to my, my home church, And he let me work in the church. He gave me an office, all right? Now, I told you the story about the pastor's office, Brother Carl's office. It was on one corner of the church, in the front of the church. On the opposite corner, Dad, remember that? There was a little office there that used to be our Sunday school office. Well, they weren't using it, so they gave it to me that summer, and it became my office. Uh, there was a little orange wooden desk that they gave me to sit behind, and I had a little bookshelf with some of my commentaries on it. And one night I was up there, about 11 o'clock at night, working on a sermon that I was to preach. I can remember having my feet up on that little orange desk, and I was reading a commentary. And then it happened. Again, it was as if... God himself was in that little office sitting across from me. And we had this dialogue. And, and I was literally speaking out loud to the Lord. And it was kind of like the, the Peter dialogue. Uh, Jesus was saying, do, do you love me? And Peter was saying, yes, Lord, I love you. You know I love you. And, and the Lord said, well, feed my sheep. It, it was kind of like that. But the context of our conversation that night was... I had allowed some things in my life that, that were really growing on the list of preeminence in my life. These things, I was allowing these things before God. And so the Lord was kind of, you know, he was kind of looking into my heart and, and getting the pure motive of, of why I was serving him. And that night I, I had to rearrange the priorities in my life. And then here was his big question to me. He said, you have accepted my call into the ministry, Will, but my question is, will you go where I send you? Now, church, I have to admit to you, I was born and raised in West Texas, love West Texas. I had dreamed and planned that as soon as I graduated college, I was going back to West Texas. And I was going to spend all of my life and all of my ministry in the place that I love, the flatlands. But yet that call came that day, that night. God said, will you go anywhere? And I mean, it, it was really a landmark decision in my life. I crossed one of those continental divides when I said, yes, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. It was with hesitation, but I finally said yes. Jeremiah is having a conversation like that with God in Jeremiah chapter 1. And Jeremiah received this assignment from God. 
When God revealed that assignment to Jeremiah, his immediate response back to God was, I can't do that. In fact, we read it in verse 6. He said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I am only a youth. Now, it wasn't that Jeremiah couldn't physically talk. He was claiming that such a young age, he couldn't speak like a prophet before other people. And so you might be wondering, well, how old was Jeremiah? The word youth in the Hebrew could mean anything from an infant up to a young man. And most commentators believe that when this encounter occurred in Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah was probably around 16 to 18 years old when God spoke to him. And what I want you to understand is this. Jeremiah, as a young man, felt terribly inferior and inadequate and inexperienced for what God was calling him to do. In Jeremiah's culture, young people were seen and not heard. And so Jeremiah is thinking to himself, there's no way I can do that. I am too young to be a prophet for the Lord. There's no way in the world I can do this. But let me throw a quick time out. How many of you have ever thought that? How many of you have ever used that excuse with the Lord? Maybe volunteering to do youth work. Maybe Brother Nathan has come to you and says, Hey, I need some, some help in, in, uh, in, in ministry with youth. Would, would you come and speak or would you teach or, or would you do something in our youth ministry? And you thought, to you, I can't do that. Maybe Brother Johnny has come and asked you to work in VBS or do something in, in kids' ministry, and you're thinking in your head, there's no way I can do that. Maybe, maybe God has spoken to you about being a part of a summer missions trip, and you're thinking, there's no way in the world that I could do that. It may be something that you think God might call you to in the future, but you're sitting there right now thinking, there's no way I can do anything for God. Are you with me? But God doesn't let Jeremiah off the hook. <laughs> you know, let me say, he's not going to let you off the hook either, okay? He won't listen to Jeremiah's excuses. Instead, what God does is give Jeremiah some marching orders. In verse number seven, the Lord said, Jeremiah, don't say that you're too young and inexperienced. Because you need to go where I tell you to go, and you need to say whatever I tell you to say. And then in verse number 8, he said, as you do this, Jeremiah, don't be afraid, because I am with you. Now, this was a call for Jeremiah to take his life seriously. And I think God is calling us to the same thing. We are to take our life seriously. There is a TV series out. I've, I've never seen any of the episodes, but I have read about it. It's entitled 13 Reasons Why. And it tells the tragic story of a young teenage girl by the name of Hannah who decided to take her life. But before she committed suicide, she made recordings, 13 of them, and left them for 13 of her friends to listen to each recording gave a reason why she was killing herself. They say this show is outrageously popular among teenagers and young adults because young people don't feel like they have a purpose in living. 
Well, Jeremiah didn't have 13 reasons why he couldn't live the life that God was calling him to live. He just had one reason. (laughs) And he thought it was a pretty good reason, that that he was too young. But that was enough to sideline him. And in our passage today that we're looking at, God gives Jeremiah seven biblical reasons why Jeremiah needed to take his life seriously. And for the same reasons you and I should take our lives and the calling that God has placed upon our lives seriously. Now guys, listen to me. I've prayed all week that the Word of God and the calling of God would so overwhelm you today that you would never ever again be able to legitimately use the excuse, God can't use me because... And then you fill in whatever it is that you fill it in. I pray that through this message today, none of us would ever use that excuse again. Because you know why? God has made us for a purpose. God made you for a reason. And you need to take your life seriously. Seven reasons why. Number one, you need to take your life seriously because God formed you. (laughs) This is amazing. Literally, God made you. Verse 5 I, God says this, I formed you in the womb. Now, guys, let me tell you, this is absolutely amazing to me. The Hebrew word for formed was a word that was used for designing a house or sculpting a statue. And so God is saying, Jeremiah, I designed you. I sculpted you together in your mother's womb. And understand God is saying, I did this. Now, most of you think you are the product of your mother and your father. God is saying, no, they didn't make you. I made you. I formed you in the womb. Now, he used your mom and dad. It wouldn't have happened without them. But God is the one who made you. Therefore, you need to take your life seriously. Why? Because God formed you. Now, I'm going to do something. This is really impromptu, but I see Dr. Householder back there. Jeannie, would you be so kind as to come up here? Do you mind? Doctor, y'all give it up for Dr. Householder. I love this lady and her family. She's awesome. And uh, she, may never, she may never talk to me again, but I'm, I'm going to have her come up here. Uh, because, Jeannie, I am, I am just, they call it the miracle of birth, but isn't it a miracle I mean, it really is. that there is, there is a baby that you can't see growing for nine months, and then all of a sudden that baby comes out, and this is the lady who does that. She's the baby doctor, OBGYN, Dr. Householder. She, she, is, a, uh, she is an amazing lady and a, a wonderful mother, great wife, and an awesome doctor. So you're the baby doctor. So I, I got a couple of questions for you, and they're not hard or anything, and I know you're going to pass the test, and, and this, is, this is pretty awesome, isn't it? So, simple, how, how long have you been delivering babies? Just about. How many years have you been doing this? 20 years. And I, I don't know. I used to try to keep records of weddings I've done and funerals I've done, but then I lost count. But could you estimate during 20 years about how many babies that you've delivered? Say, say that again. Maybe 14,000. 
14,000. I had no idea. That, Lord have mercy. That's like a whole town. Okay. I've asked you this before, and I found it very intriguing. What, what is the record number of babies that you've delivered in a single day, in a one-day time period? Is that number in your head? In 24 hours. 19! That is mind-boggling. I've heard the word crazy out there two or three times. That is crazy. Okay, now, so let me, I'm saying all this to say this lady knows what she's doing, all right? She is a baby doctor, and that's amazing. That really is amazing. There, there are two ladies out here today that are your patients. That one is supposed to deliver a baby this, this next week. And we're going to pray, Allison, we're going to pray. In fact, if the, during the invitation, I want you and Jonathan come up here in Dr. House, so we're going to pray for you, okay? And then Shawnee, she's, she's coming up pretty soon, too. You're never going to deliver my baby, because I'm, you know, just, no, that ain't going to happen. Okay, technical, okay, technical questions. Okay, so, so a lady figures out that she's pregnant, maybe she does the home pregnancy test, and so generally speaking, it's maybe like, uh, what, four, six, eight weeks when they first come and see you? Maybe something like that? Okay, so when a lady comes to see you and she thinks she's pregnant, can, can you... Can you actually hear that baby's heartbeat in her womb? When, when can you start hearing a heartbeat? It's six weeks. Now process this, six weeks, you're, you're starting to hear the heartbeat. When, when do the little fingers and toes start popping out on a little baby? About eight or nine weeks, okay? So I know Whitney's pregnant. Can you see her little pooch right there? She's got a little pooch going. <laughs> And just a tiny one, but here's, here's what she does. She sends us these messages all the time. Uh, I'm so many weeks, and my baby's the size of a, like a lemon or a pear or something like that, right? right. Yeah. Not yeah. Yeah, okay. Not, so, so. The hot dog Subway sandwich loaf of bread. I love that. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so here, I'm kind of getting to this point right here. Now. Like Whitney was born in 1988, and uh, ultrasound technology was available, and uh, and we got to see some ultrasound pictures. I, I think ultrasound kind of started in the early 80s, didn't it? Early. early, but people people were afraid of it because they didn't know if it was going to harm the baby. So probably mid to late 80s is when people really kind of started doing it. And then maybe in the 90s, it really came on, ultrasound. That was a big thing, right? And so I can remember, uh, like Whitney, they would, the technician was doing that thing, you know, rubbing that thing around on Angie's belly and saying, look there, you can see its face. I couldn't see its face. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it was really hard to see, right? For some people. For some people. <laughs> she's, get, she's digging me right there, isn't she? That's okay, I love it. But the technology has really increased, hasn't it? So uh, my understanding is now they have what they call 4D Live. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. All right. But that's the new thing, all right? And so I've got this little video, and, and let's watch it together, okay, of this 4D technology that's available. Let's, let's, let's watch this right here.
That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? There you go. 20, 29. You're crying. See, this is, this, isn't this awesome right here? You have delivered 14,000 babies. It doesn't get old. <laughs> we didn't rehearse this, did we? That's exactly what I was praying would happen. It doesn't get old. Give Dr. Householder a big hand. Thank you, Jeannie. I love you, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Wow, isn't, that is amazing. That, that is it. Here's my point. It is the miracle of birth. And it is God who formed you in your mother's womb. Listen to the psalmist, Psalm 139, verse 14. I praise you, Lord, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days you have ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to pass. God, God made you. You need to take your life seriously today because God knit your mind, your soul, and your body together in such a way as for you to fulfill the unique purpose that he has made you for. Reason number one to take your life seriously, God formed you. Reason number two is because God knows you. That same verse says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So get this, before little fingers began to form your hands, before little toes began to form your feet, before your little heart started pumping blood, God knew you. The word knew means far more than just knowing something about someone. It means to single someone out based upon an intimate knowledge of that person. Before Jeremiah ever had a chance to perform or prove himself, God knew him. God loved him. And God chose him. Guys, that is a big reason for you to take your life seriously today. Reason number three to take your life seriously, God has set you apart, okay? Verse five says, before you were born, I set you apart. The translation I read out of says, I sanctified you. You see, in the Old Testament, everything and everyone that was used by God 
including to worship Him, had to be set apart and made holy or consecrated or sanctified. So God formed and chose Jeremiah and then He set him apart. He sanctified him for a specific task. Let me use this analogy. It's kind of like a composer who constructs an instrument to play the composition that he wrote on. So, say it like this. If, if I had the ability to write music, all right, and I wrote a song, and then I built a guitar with my own hands just to be able to play the song that I wrote. You see the process there? Here's what God is saying. God has a plan for your life. And so God made you, created you, knew you, and appointed you to that specific task that he had already made for your life. And the Gospels tell us that the way God brings this about is through the death of his son Jesus on the cross where his sins covered our sin, for, where his blood covered our sins when we're redeemed. In fact, the Bible says that when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, God sets us apart for himself. Now, that is a huge reason for you to take your life seriously today. Number four, you need to take your life seriously because God has appointed you. Verse five, I appointed you or ordained you as a prophet to the nations. In fact, this was so important that God repeated it in verse number 10. See, today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. We discovered this truth last week, that our God is the Lord or the God over all the nations of the earth. God is Lord. He has the ability to build nations up, and He has the ability to tear nations down. And God is doing this work among the nations, and He has appointed Jeremiah as the one who is going to announce to the people what God is doing. So, Jeremiah had a destiny. I like that word, don't you? Say it with me. One, two, three. Destiny. Jeremiah had a destiny. Do you see that? God formed him. God knew him. God called him. God appointed him. He had a task to do. Are you with me? Here's the cool thing. It's not just Jeremiah. You've got a destiny too. God made you for a reason. God has a purpose for you. In fact, no Christian exists merely to make a living, to raise a family, to go into retirement, and then to die. No, we have an important part to play in God's great purpose. God has something for you to do. Not just for preachers or missionaries or youth pastors. God has something for all of us to do. God made all of us for a reason. And we all play a part in God's purpose. Last Sunday, we learned, I learned that Brother Mason and his wife Corinda Polk were called by the Southern Oaks Free Will Baptist Church 
in, uh, right there in Oklahoma City to be the new pastor, all right? Uh, Brother Mason just graduated from, uh, from Randall, and, and uh, it didn't take long. Uh, Southern Oaks latched on to him and, and called him uh, to be the... That's the church Dallas and Vita used to go to. They know that church well. Uh, I'm happy for both Mason and Southern Oaks. I think it's going to be a great time for both of them. But what it, what it means is this. The people at the Southern Oaks Church recognized God's calling and God's giftedness on Mason and Corinda, and they called them, they assigned them the work of the ministry there. That's how it works. You know what? God does the same thing for each one of us. Every one of us. God is working everywhere. And God has a place for every one of us. Whether we're in full-time vocational ministry, or you have a quote-unquote real job, (laughs) like this isn't a real job, like you have a real job, But God has a place of service for each of us. Something that God has made us to do. And my big question to you is, have you discovered what it is God made you to do? Have you discovered that? Do you know what God made you for? You know what, maybe God is calling more from our church to be pastors. Praise God for that or youth pastors, or music ministers, or kids working. That's awesome, isn't it? Maybe God is calling some of our young people to be missionaries on a full-time basis where they become career missionaries. I would rejoice in that. Angie and I have this thing going on. I say something like that, and she'll always say back to me, but Will, you need to understand that, you know what? God doesn't just call kids to be missionaries. Let me tell you, she's got a point. In fact, I think God might be calling some of our prime timers to be missionaries. Now, don't just dispel this. I mean, you know what? Think about it. What else you got to do? I mean, what, what, when you retire, tell me, what, what is it you do? Exactly. You know, here's the thing about it. When, when you've worked all your life and now you're retired, you've got something you never had before. You have more time and more resources than you've ever had in your life. And so why couldn't God call you to be a career missionary at 60 years old? And you know what? He may do that. Praise the Lord if he does that you would say yes. But you know what? For most of us in this room, God is not going to call us to vocational ministry. But he does have a task for us. God has made you for something. There's something you're really good at. For Dr. Householder, it's, it's delivering babies. <laughs> and she's good at that. That's what God has called her to do. For others of you, it, it might be an education. You might be a really good teacher or a coach or a nurse God may call you to be a homemaker to stay at home and raise your family I I believe listen to me don't lose me here I believe God gifts some of you just to make money and there's nothing wrong with that I've, I've got a couple of buddies that I know and they just have this gift for making money anything they put their hand on turns into money and for years I've tried to figure out how they do it I don't know but they've got a gift for that you know what maybe God has given you a great job or the ability to make money or that you own your own business so that you can fund missionaries 
So that you can send others out to do something God has not called you to do. The bottom line is this. God has something for each one of us. God has a purpose for our life. Something that you're really good at. And within what you do, God has called you to be a light for Him. I'll just use my old dad as an illustration for this. Dad, dad was a, a deacon at, at the churches we, we served in and, and went to, and he was a good deacon. But I'll tell you what my dad's good at. My dad was a good telephone man. His whole career was being a telephone man. He started out climbing poles, and, and uh, man, he could splice wire. Uh, he, was, he was a great telephone. He worked for uh, both Southwestern Bell and AT&T, uh, both climbing poles and in management. And that was his gift. Uh, on a few occasions, Dad let me go to work with him. And I mean, he was good. That's what God made my dad to do. He was a great telephone man. He was good at it. He raised our family as a telephone man. But I also know that became very clear to me, especially when I was in college. I went with my dad to work a few times. My dad worked with people who weren't believers. And my dad was sent into those offices and those workplaces to be a light for Jesus Christ. That was his task. So whatever it is that God has made you good at, God has a specific assignment for you to be a light in a darkened world. So take your life seriously. Number five, take your life seriously because God is with you. Now God saw deep into Jeremiah's heart and he knew there was fear in his heart. That's why in verse 8, God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, don't be afraid. And we know from reading throughout the book of Jeremiah that at times Jeremiah got pretty depressed. <laughs> you would too, all right? But he was depressed at one point, a low time in his life. And, and he complained to God in chapter 20, verse 18. Why did I ever come out of the womb? To see trouble and sorrow, to end my days in shame. And so, yeah, his life was tough. And what God called Jeremiah to do was very dangerous. God told Jeremiah to tell the people of Judah that the Babylonians were coming to invade them. And when the Babylonians came, they were to surrender and to go into captivity. Because this was God's plan for them. Well, let me tell you, the people didn't want to hear that. In fact, they called Jeremiah a traitor. And they said he was being unpatriotic. He was thrown into prison. He was beaten. He was threatened. He was constantly rejected. And then God told Jeremiah, I want you to confront their idolatry. Now listen to me, church. People don't like it when you start messing with their idols. And they didn't like Jeremiah. It, it would be just like me standing up here today and, and just start meddling with your idols. The, the things that you have allowed to gain preeminence in your life. Things that you're putting above you and your relationship with God. And you doing what God has called you to do. And I could start meddling and, and, and listing those things. And you'd get ticked off at me. And you'd get mad, and you'd go home, and you'd have fried preacher, you know, roast, roasted preacher. But you know what? It's the way it is. 
You start messing with people's idols and they don't like it. And they did not like Jeremiah not one little bit. That's why it's important for Jeremiah to hear this from the Lord. What did God say to him? Jeremiah, don't be afraid. I am with you. And church, that promise is going to keep Jeremiah going through the difficult days of his life. This is the encouragement that God has given to so many men and women and boys and girls that he's used. What is it that allowed them to overcome their fears? Well, it's this assurance from God. I'm with you. I'm with you. So take your life seriously. And don't be afraid because God is with you. Reason number six to take your life seriously, God will deliver you. He said in verse 8, I am with you and I will deliver you. Now, that doesn't mean Jeremiah is not going to suffer because he did suffer. He experienced plenty of hard days. No, for God to say, I will deliver you, means something like this. Jeremiah, when you go and tell the people what I've told you to tell them, they're going to reject you, ridicule you, they're going to throw you into a pit, you're going to be in prison, they're going to harass you, they're going to reject you, they're going to say all kinds of bad things about you. But Jeremiah, you're not going to be doing it by yourself because I'm there with you. And when you go through those difficult days and that rejection and that physical pain, understand you are fulfilling God's great purpose and you're not doing it alone. I'm with you. Isaiah said the same thing in Isaiah chapter 43. God spoke to him and said, Isaiah, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. So, take your life seriously. Because God is going to be with you and rescue you. Don't quit. God's with you. Now we come to number seven. The seventh reason to take your life seriously. It's because God has put his words in your mouth. I love verse nine. Then the Lord put forth his hand. He touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now, guys, listen very closely. This is the anointing that will enable Jeremiah to do what it is God has called him to do. Honestly, I believe that what we're seeing here in Jeremiah is that Jeremiah is filled with the Spirit of God. Jeremiah is getting this anointing power of God on him. And did you know that that same anointing power is available for any man, woman, boy, or girl today? And we receive that anointing power when we give our lives to Jesus. And we, when we pray for the Spirit of God to give us the power to live for Him. In fact, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to the nations. So it all comes down to this. Christian, listen to me. Take your life seriously. Take your life seriously. The Spirit of God is living in you to give you the power to be a witness for Jesus Christ. That is God's great plan. It's the spreading of the gospel. 
And so no matter what else it is that God has given you the gift or the ability to do, your job, your task is to spread the gospel. Okay? God called me to be a pastor. That's what I do. But you know what? As a believer, it's my responsibility to spread the gospel. Whether I'm a preacher or not, I am to tell other people about Jesus Christ. God has put his word in your mouth just like he put his word in Jeremiah's mouth. So, Jeremiah was one who did not turn his back to God. He was full frontal with God. His face was facing God. And when God spoke to Jeremiah and called him to this specific task, Jeremiah said, Yes. Say that with me. One, two, three. Yes. He said yes to God. That was the big yes. But if you read through this book of Jeremiah, you will read again and again, Jeremiah is saying yes to God. It's not just a one-time yes. God is going to ask you to do things every day. Will you say yes to God, even in the little things? So I'm bringing it right down to where we are, to you and to me here today. Have you said yes to God? That, that first yes is the most important yes. It's God's call to salvation. God has called all men everywhere to be saved. He's provided the gift of salvation. Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed to take your sins away. God offers to you today salvation to start life over again. To have your name written in the Lamb's book of life where you can go to heaven. Right? It's the gift of salvation. But to receive that gift, you have to say yes. Yes to God. Have you done that? That's the big yes. It all begins with that yes. And if you have, praise God. I'm thankful for that. If you haven't, I encourage you to say yes to God today. But then, after that big yes, there's going to be a lot of other things. It, it, it may be like that, that one conversation I had with God when I was nine years old. And he said to me, Will, this is what I made you for. Will you be willing to do that? That was a big yes. Ten years later when he said, hey, Will, will you go anywhere to do the thing I've called you to do? That was a big yes. You know what? Every day, every day he's asking me to do things. Every day. Will you be my witness? Will you speak to this person? Will you do this task? Will you... Yesterday, I was on the road yesterday and I, I stopped in Salisaw at McDonald's to get me a, a biscuit. <laughs> And I, it's one of those crazy things, you know, this, I think this guy spotted me when I came in and he followed me in. I went to the bathroom, he held the door open for me. You, you know, if you're a guy, you don't hold the bathroom door open for another guy. Okay, it's creepy, man. It's, it's creepy. And I was thinking, all right. I, I went and put my order in. Here's this guy standing over here. He's just kind of standing and, and I get my stuff and I'm, I'm leaving, going back out the truck. And he follows me out there and he says, hey, hey, brother, hey, man. I was just wondering, hey, would you mind helping a brother out today and buying me breakfast? Now, I, I had a decision to make. Do I tell the guy to get lost? Or do I spend the time to get involved in that guy's life? 
And I think it was a divine appointment. So I spent a little bit of time with the guy. I did end up buying him breakfast. But you know what? That was a yes that I had to say to God yesterday morning. Later on that day, I met three guys from Australia. That's a totally different story. But I had to say yes to God. What I'm saying is this. God is going to ask you to do things for him every day. Maybe this morning you need to come down and just nail it down at the altar and say, Lord, I want you to know whatever you're willing to call me to do, I'll be willing to do it. I may not think I'm qualified. I may not think I can do it on my own, which I know I can't. But Lord, whatever it is you ask me to do at Kavanaugh Church or at home or at work or in the world, you can count on me. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just praying that the altars would be full today of people just like you realizing, you know what, God formed me, God knew me, God made me, God set me apart, God anointed me, God is directing me, God is with me, He's going to deliver me, He's put His word in my mouth, and if I will let Him, God is going to use me. So would you say yes to God this morning? Heavenly Father,